All right, you guys, welcome to A Cork in the Road, where I'm going live with people and interviewing them about the wine industry in the Southeast. These are people that I admire, and they are really shaping the wine industry in Atlanta, Georgia, and beyond. Today, I am so happy. I'm lucky to have Tamara Lucas from Decatur, Georgia, who manages a portfolio of Virginia wines right here in Georgia. It's called the Commonwealth Collective. Hi, Tamara. Hi. Welcome. So great to have you. And I'm so excited as a fellow Virginia wine lover that you're going to tell us a lot about Virginia wine today for those of us who might not know all of your experience. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know, just kick us off. Tell us about your current role. What is the Commonwealth Collective? So it's a gathering of four different wineries, all from the central Virginia area, right around Charlottesville. It kind of was born because my family owns Ankita Ridge Vineyards, which is in Amherst. And our first vintage was in 2010, and I had been down here working in the wine industry, and then I decided to go ahead and help my family business. But then I started to realize that people down here in the Southeast have no idea of what's going on in Virginia. So I kind of got the idea to have a small portfolio that could really kind of represent what was happening in the area. Our wines at Ankita Ridge are a little bit higher premium, so it's just sort of like a one sort of small category. but with the Commonwealth Collective, it's the four different wineries, there's a variety of different varietals, different price points, and four very different wineries. So it really is an opportunity to have a portfolio to present to people to show what's happening. Exactly. And I think that's really cool that you are able now to show more. So where does your love for Virginia wine come from? I know that your family owns the winery, but why did you think, hey, I need to bring Virginia wine to Georgia? Where did that come from? So... I didn't originally have a love for Virginia wine. I was kind of like everyone else down here. I didn't really believe in it so much. I was working down here in Georgia, in Atlanta. Really since 2001, I started working with um, different wholesalers here. And I represented some of the most amazing wines in the world and the country. And I was a total, total wine geek. And um, when my family decided to plant a vineyard, I was like, what are you doing? This is crazy. <laughs> and, um, you know, not only don't really know anything about making wine, but then I really started spending more time up there and, and tasting different wines. I was like, this is kind of crazy world-class wine. This is not North Georgia wine. This is not North Carolina wine. It is like a different echelon. And when I began to do blind tastings with the Virginia wines, with other wines, I was like, they are standing up against especially like European wines. I would say probably starting in about 2012, my belief really started like cementing about Virginia wines. So in 2015, I left my other job and then I've been working now and I developed a collective and, and uh, started working with all the four wineries now. So now I'm like Virginia wine girl. <laughs> it's fun to really um, kind of blow people's minds because they really don't know when I'm pouring at tastings. And they're just like, wow, Virginia makes wine. I'm like, yes, they do. It's like nearly 300 wineries now. Well, with 300 wineries, I know you have a lot to choose from. So what's in the portfolio now? How did you choose those wineries? Like, where did the idea come from to pick those certain places? So it kind of came together really kind of organically. When I started working with Ankita and was, I went to the Virginia Wine Summit, actually, when I first started. And my parents are good friends with the owners of Veritas, and they have a pretty long history with them. And also, um, Ankita had a relationship with Early Mountain because we were part of their Best of Virginia grouping when they first opened their winery. And Simpson, actually, my brother is our winemaker at Ankita, and he is actually married to Rachel Simpson. They met 
the first, very first vintage of both of the wineries. So we did Custom Crush at Stimson in 2010, our first vintage. And both Rachel and Nathan um, were working with Matthew Fino. He was our, he's our consulting winemaker. And so they started making wine together and now they're married and have a baby. So that just kind of made sense. It was sort of another family winery. And with Veritas and Early Mountain, they both, at the time that I started really thinking about like what I could do to kind of begin to introduce people, they approached me that they were considering going into distribution and that this might be a perfect pairing for them. And then when we started looking at all the wineries, they're different sizes, a little bit different winemaking techniques. We have different varieties and we were able to just all sit together and pull together a portfolio. Like we have one rosé, we've got one Chardonnay, we've got one Cab Franc, we've got one, you know, so it's like this really perfect blending of wines and different price points. And it's a good opportunity to show diversity as well. But we all have a very similar thread of innovation, young, exciting winemakers that are doing really cool things. We collaborate. We've got a great spirit of collaboration and cooperation. So all those things sort of ties together as well. It sounds like it's a really good group. It really is a collective summary of what Virginia can do. Now, I used to work in the Virginia wine industry, so I got kind of my start traveling around Virginia to the different regions, testing out different wines, seeing what people were making in different regions. And I remember the first time I stopped at Ankita Ridge, it was an incredible property and it was so different than any of the places I'd been to before (laughs) in that area of Virginia. And why can Pinot Noir grow so well (laughs) on Ankita Ridge property? Because it's not a grape that we typically see around Virginia. So I know that that's a standout grape for you guys. Why Pinot Noir? You know, our vineyard, we did not buy the property with the intention of planting a vineyard. We had a little mishap when the excavator was clearing some land for the house that we were building up at the side of the mountain. And he cleared a little bit of extra land. And so when my parents were trying to decide what to do, they were like, well, maybe we'll consider wine, growing a vineyard, which is what threw me into a tizzy because I was like, oh my God. (laughs) But they actually consulted with Lucy Morton, who does a lot of work in the Mid-Atlantic area with a lot of grape growers. And she was up there and she was like, you know what, if any place in Virginia can do Pinot, this is the location. We're really, really high elevation. We're approximately 1800 feet elevation on the side of a mountain. So we've got really great aspect and slope. The airflow and the water flow is great. We're much cooler during the summertime days. We also don't have the frost pressure because we are so high when the frost things happen in spring. The valley is really, really cold, but it pushes all the warm air up so we don't get the frost pressure. So it's a really very unique area. Our soils are decomposed granite, so that really does really well with Pinot Noir. So it's just all these sort of things came together. And I mean, we planted Pinot with having no idea. And, you know, you've got to grow, grow, grow the grapes for three years before you can even get a harvest. And we were just like, oh, my God, is this, it's, who knows if he's going to be any good. But it really was. It was it's exciting. It's really exciting. Sounds like it was a beautiful mistake. It was. (laughs) That land is awesome. And I really do enjoy visiting there, but it's something that stands out. And as someone who's been around Virginia, I appreciate tasting the wines, but what's the reaction like here when you are often serving these Virginia wines to people who haven't seen the land, who haven't been to the regions of Virginia where these grapes are growing? What is the reaction in Atlanta from just general consumers? So before they taste the wines, often they're like, oh, 
Hmm, interesting. Virginia makes wine. And a lot of people I can see have a preconceived notion about what it's going to taste like. A lot of times they think it's going to be sweet and, you know, just not very good quality. And then they taste the wines. And especially if they're knowledgeable with wines, they are blown away. I mean, the most knowledgeable Psalms and things like that, when they taste it, they're like, they are just blown away. It's a, it's a, it's a big surprise, which is really what I'm going for. I, I try to have a lot of pictures and things like that for people to look at. Our brochure has you know pictures of all the vineyards and I have a map to kind of give everyone a sense of perspective as to where everything is because that's really important too because people a lot of people aren't familiar with what's you know the landscape and the how everything's located up there then once they taste the wines they're blown away and i really a big part of my my push is to encourage people we're in the south and if you're a wine lover it's very difficult to find world-class wine here in the south and you don't need to fly to napa you don't need to go to burgundy you really can hop in the car take a three-day weekend and go up to a beautiful, true wine region. And that's a huge, huge thing that I really encourage people to do. And also with the push with regionality and farm to table and, you know, local, all that, this is really the most highest quality we can get and the most local wine we can get. It's really fun to see people catching on. Uh, whenever mm -hmm. we do events and they're like, oh, the question is, oh, does Virginia make wine? And mm -hmm. then we get to say, yes, they do. And they make great wine. But so who were some of the first adopters for you when you started showcasing these wines? As an industry here, we are growing. There's a lot of distributors. There's retail and restaurant space to fill. Who were the first people to get on board with the Commonwealth Collective? At the very, very beginning, Stephen Grubbs over Empire State South. And so he was really probably the first biggest person in and Atlanta and we appreciate all the support he's had and he's been up to Virginia for a few different events and things like that so he really has been a huge supporter but you know there's um Aria has had our wine on for a while Krista and Jerry Slater who now have just opened up the expat in Athens they have been huge supporters as far as retailers it's really the people that I've had some relationships with over here, and I live in Decatur, and you know Herb Cherik, who runs Decatur Package, he has been great supporter and has brought a lot of wines in. And you know, it's it's sort of like dropping here and there, and people the more and more they get exposed to it or getting on board. But I would say those are up to this point have been kind of some of the biggest ones. So it sounds like it's both retail and restaurants kind of finding a place for Virginia wine. What's been, would you say, a big challenge? or the biggest challenge when you first started, any legal issues with bringing wines from Virginia if they were some of the first, or was that already established? No. I mean, that's the same system. If you're bringing wines from California or Virginia, it's just interstate, that's, it's easy to do that. You just have to get registered. Fortunately for me, because I was in distribution here for so long, I had the relationships. I'm finding in other states where I don't have the relationships, it is a little more difficult to get distributors to commit to wanna to bring the Virginia wines on. A lot of them are like, well, we don't really want to delve into that category yet. So I'm kind of running into a few little problems with that. Really, and also, I mean, for some retailers here in Georgia as well, and also restaurateurs, a lot of what I hear is nobody's asking for Virginia wines. No one wants Virginia wines. And I'm like, but you haven't offered them to them. It isn't available for them. It's, it's sort of this like chicken and egg sort of thing. They don't want to put any wines, any Virginia wines on the shelf because no one's asking for them and no one's asking for them because they don't know that they're available. So it's sort of this, you know, <laughs> double-edged sword. Exactly. What do you wish people knew more about Virginia wine that would maybe help them start asking for the, those wines on the shelves? I think the biggest thing is for them to, so I, one thing that I kind of 
say is that Virginia is kind of like the old world of the new world. If you enjoy European style wines, you're gonna like the Virginia style of wine. It tends to be a little bit lower alcohol. There tends to be more savory notes. They tend to go really well with food. It's not the big jammy, really fruit forward that a lot of California wines have. So a lot of people that are, you know, like to have their food and their wine together. It's a great, great opportunity to to drink domestic. And also really it's, it is that the local regionality, you know, it's supporting you know, reducing carbon footprint and, you know, and supporting small families and, and things like that as well. Because you know, in Virginia, it's almost 300 wineries and they're basically all small family wineries. There really are very few big, large entities. And for a lot of people, that's important, you know, supporting small business and family owned businesses and keeping things local and regional and it's top notch quality. So you don't have to sacrifice quality. No, you don't. I drink a lot of Virginia wine at home and it makes me so excited every time I taste it because I just want to share it with everyone. Yeah. I often am, I'm often the first one that someone has a Virginia wine tasting in front of and I love to get the reaction because it's like, wow, the quality is really there. What are some of the ways that you continue your education, not only in Virginia wine and what they're doing in different regions, but just in general, as a distributor and someone in the industry, where do you continue learning about wine? You know, that's um, that's interesting because working for a wholesaler for years, it was constant wine education. And I had wine from all over the world constantly. I was always in tastings. And that's probably the thing that I struggle with most. Like, I taste a lot of Virginia wines. I try to do as many events as I can up there. And I try to listen and talk to as many people up there and get as much you know, information that way, as far as Virginia. And as far as the other wines, I mean, you know, I continue to read different publications and I try to taste as many wines as I can when I get chances to. I mean, that's how you continue to learn about wine. That's pretty much it. But I don't do it as much as I would like to anymore. <laughs> that's the one thing I miss about distribution, the variety. We need more time to learn about wine. Yes, yes. I agree. What do you drink at home? Are you drinking your Virginia wines? Yeah, I do. I drink them a lot. I'm a big fan of, well, rosés. Loire Valley, I pretty much, Loire Valley is probably my go-to region. Just for the diversity, it's affordable. The wines are delicious. I mean, anything from, you know, Sancerre's or just to Miscadets or whatever. Um, it's just such a variety. It's just, that's probably my go-to area. I'm also, uh, I, I like cocktails though, too. I'm a big cocktail person, so I definitely drink cocktails. And dry ciders as well, like Foggy Ridge Cider was a Virginia cidery that's actually no longer in production, which is really sad. But I definitely like to explore different ciders. I'm not a big beer person, really. I like sour beers if I'm going to drink a beer. But yes, yeah, so that's kind of what I, what I go for. It's fun to hear the cocktails because I think that that gets lost sometimes in the mix of what wine people are drinking. People assume that wine people only drink wine, but so often did I talk to my winemakers and they would say, you know, I drink a lot of beer to make my wine um, yeah. or they go out for cocktails after a day at the winery. So I appreciate yeah. that you switch it up. That's awesome. How are you promoting your wines to the industry people in Atlanta? I know since that's something that you have to do to be able to get, you know, those connections that you have, how are you promoting wines to industry versus consumers? Have you done mm -hmm. trips to Virginia? Do you take people to the locations to learn more? Yeah, so this is actually kind of the most exciting thing right now. Because we are so close, 
it's very easy to get industry folks up there. I've had four small little um, uh, trips where I've brought key industry restaurateurs or buyers or writers between three and five people at a time, brought them up there. We put them up and we've had like a two and a half day immersive, you know, we bring them in a car and we drive around and we go visit the different wineries and we've got different people from the industry that are very familiar with Virginia wine industry that do dinners and, you know, and, and sort of give us a, a broader scope of what's happening in Virginia. So those have been really great. And we're actually right now, like right now, we're trying to finalize the name. <laughs> we're working on a, um, a very, it's almost like inspired by uh, Oregon Pinot Camp in April. And we're, we've got our, we've got our invite list pretty much curated. And so we're sending out invites, invite only. We're going to have about approximately 20 people, all industry people from Georgia. And we're putting them up, we rented a big farm. And so they're going to be staying in the farm and we're going to have some vans. We're going to drive them around and do workshops at the different wineries and stuff like that. So that's really exciting. Yeah. So that's My our- face is lighting up. That sounds like an incredible opportunity to show everyone Virginia wine up close and personal. Yeah, we're really excited about that. And then that's in April. And then March, the very beginning of March, we're actually having a, a road trip. We're having all the wine or winemakers from the collective come down here to Georgia. We're going to have seminar tasting, uh, which we're going to open up to different buyers and industry people. Just have real educational. We'll have some, you know, maps and videos and things like that and really taste, taste everyone through and give everyone a perspective of what's happening. And then we're going to go mark, work the market. We're going to do some different wine dinners and different consumer tastings. And so it's going to be all throughout the state. We're going to be in Athens. We're going to go to Savannah. We're going to be Atlanta. We're going to split up the winemakers and have a full Monday through Thursday, sort of immersive hammering Georgia with what Virginia wine. <laughs> so everyone interested should pretty much keep their calendars open for March when those start getting posted. Um, yeah. Mark your calendars to learn about Virginia wine. Do yeah. you ever work with the Virginia wine marketing office? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty unique in Virginia that they have an entire statewide campaign to promote the agricultural side mm-hmm. and it's housed in the government for the state. And I'm wondering, even though you're out of state, but you are representing the Virginia wines in Georgia, how often do you work with that office? Relatively often, actually. So some of the funding for trips that we're planning actually come from a grant that we applied for through them. So we deal with them with grants. And then they also are, they help a lot with like Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. Everything kind of goes through them. And so I work kind of, I've worked pretty closely with them in that sort of helping to manage everything down here for them. So I work with them, you know, pretty often. What wines do you think are standouts for Virginia as a whole. I mean, a lot of times you were talking about Loire Valley. I think that Cabernet Franc was always one of my favorites. I was reading recently though, uh, from a online Twitter chat, thanks, hashtag VA wine chat, that's been going on on Sunday evenings. A bunch of folks from the Virginia industry were talking about Cabernet Franc as it might be phasing out. It used to be the grape that was leading the way for Virginia, but it's kind of phasing out. And they were thinking, you know, is Petit Bordeaux gonna become more popular, Petit Mansang? Mm-hmm. What are some grapes and trends that you're seeing emerge from Virginia wine that might be more popular as the word starts to spread? Yeah, you know, I mean, traditionally, and by traditionally, I mean the last, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, Cap Franc for red and Viognier for the white. And those are fantastic. And they tend to do very, very well in a lot of locations. When people ask me that, oftentimes my response is, right now it's kind of about innovation and diversity. There's so much craziness going on and like, New vineyard sites are being, you know, started all the time. I mean, I tasted some delicious Albarinos at Virginia Wine Summit, like two or three of them that were 
delicious. Who would have thought an Albarino, you know? So that is like random to me. Who knows in 10 years from now, Albarino might be the thing. But Petit Verdot and Tanat are both do really, really well and are delicious and just super satisfying wines. Petit Men's saying, for me, I'm kind of the most excited about because it's, it kind of reminds me of Chenin Blanc a little bit where there's so much, there's so much you can do with it. And it is delicious. And I think that that really, because it's so unique and no one else really grows it here. I mean, there's so few places in the world really, but definitely here in the U.S. And so I'm really excited about that. You know, and it's interesting, Pinot, because that's kind of where we hang our hat. I kind of have, you know, maybe future visions of somehow like our whole area down there in Amherst County, sort of the higher elevation areas. Maybe we could find some other sites over in that area that could actually be the Pinot Noir area, you know, but we'll see. We'll have to get a couple other vineyards in there to see what they can do. <laughs> to start taking chances like you guys did very exactly, early on. Exactly. I will say I, I really do want Petit Mensang to happen. I want that to be the next thing. Personally, selfishly, I love it and I want more people to know about it. I was just out in Virginia uh, at the end of this year in December and I probably have three bottles of just Petit Vincent that I brought back from different wineries. So I was seeing it on the tasting menu and they are just delicious and there's really nothing else like it and uh-uh, super, uh-huh. super food friendly. And that was exciting. And as I drink Virginia wine, I can't help but think about how it pairs with food, especially when you're seeing that in a restaurant setting, you're saying you should have these wines on the list. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about some foods that have gone really well with some of the wines in your portfolio? Yeah, I mean, gosh, they're they're really food friendly. I mean, that's the thing. The the lower alcohol and the savoriness with our wines, a lot of times there'll be a lot of duck will go really well with our Pinot Noir and <laughs> lamb gets served a lot with our Pinot, which is hilarious because we have sheep on our property that like are basically like my parents' other grandchildren, or my mother's at least anyway. <laughs> so she's like, Ooh, it's lamb. Okay, I guess I'll eat it. But you know, like Early Mountain has a fantastic white blend. That is just delicious. It's just like, you know, any sort of salads or or clean, crisp things like that. Uh, also, that's really good with uh, oysters and such. And, you know, I, I mean, really, they're just really versatile. We've had a lot of great pairings. We had that great, the beer and wine dinner. There were some really fantastic pairings at that. I can't remember off the top of my head which one's they were, there was a couple of really yummy, yummy ones. Well, speaking of Stephen Grubbs being one of your first adopters, that was such a fun event where we did Virginia wines versus Georgia beers in a yeah. five course pairing menu. I do remember that we didn't have duck, but we did have quail on the menu. Yes. And I believe mm-hmm. that was with the Pinot Noir. But I also remember that the favorite wine of the night overall was the early mountain blend. That was something yeah. that really stood out. And I thought that was cool that a lot of the consumers there picked that because it's a blend of kind of your standout red grapes from Virginia. You know, it has your Petit Verdot, it has your Cab Franc. So it was fun for me to see that that was the most popular one. Maybe it was because it was with the delicious steak. I'm not sure, but it was such a good wine overall. Um, And I appreciated that. And those are the type of events that I see people's faces light up when they're trying a Virginia wine. So what's next for you in Georgia? Where can we find Virginia wines? Any events or tastings that people should be on the lookout for? So like I said, in March, like right now, we are in the process of planning that. We will be having different, a couple different dinners. We have not solidified the dates or the places yet. A couple consumer tastings. I encourage people to go to Commonwealth Collective VA on Facebook where I'll post all of our tastings we have coming up. 
So for consumers, yeah, we'll definitely be having some of that stuff. And for industry folks, we will definitely be having that one big tasting event. And, you know, as people are not able to go, we might have some more spaces for people to get invited to the, uh, to the big, big event in April. So, and our, our goal is to have that every year. So, you know, we'll see how it goes this year. I'm really excited to see, but. Awesome, Tamara. So Virginia is not only for lovers, it's for wine lovers too. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> perfect. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to hearing more about how Virginia wine grows in Georgia. Thanks to you. And we'll see in touch. Okay. Thank you, Kelly.